0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good day. Whatever the case may be, you're here live with Dr. Jeff we're your host here for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to talk. We're here to give you information. Uh, you're here to, I'm I'm here so you can pick my brain, whatever's left of it. A um, couple of ways you can get a hold of us. The good old-fashioned way, 877-385-8882. Get out the phone, 877-385-8882. You can also send me a question here live. As you're listening to Dr. Jeff, that's D-R-Jeff, J-E-F-F, at PetLifeRadio.com. Lastly, and the best way is you can join us here on Google Hangouts. Very easy. Log on to PetLifeRadio.com. If you're here listening, you're probably already logged on. And you can go on to my show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And our producer, Mark Winter, left us with a Google Hangout link. Click on that link and you can join us here live as we speak. Have your pets with you, love to visit with your pets, and uh we can talk about anything you'd like to talk about. There must be something that you've had a, a, an experience this week that you didn't always understand. That's kind of my my job is to make sure that uh you guys understand, know your pets, love your pets, enhance that bond. And I wanna thank Paul Fume Premium. That's Pawfume Premium.com for our as a show sponsor. Um, these are products that I've worked with this company. I had my product line, which I've had for years. Combining it with the Parfume line, which is the most amazing sense to bring you veterinary quality products that you can use at home. Get them online at Parfume, P A W F U M E Premium.com. Uh, things that are smell good, lasting, and things. Some of the products that we have are things that you can't even find at a vet or even at stores. Um, our malleon spray is the best. Our ear cleaner, my formula, was the number one selling. Air cleaner at one of the major, the, one of the most two of the more popular outlet pet stores in the country. They both start with the word pet. Figure it out, based in San Diego. And um, anyway, we have reintroduced it with a even better smell, but extremely extremely effective, hypoallergenic, eco friendly. You name it, we've got it. So if you have any, uh, and also my products, my two in one conditioning shampoo. My medicated shampoo are the best out there. So um, anyway, Premium.com. Thanks again for sponsoring us. So uh, as most of you know, who are listening to our show on a regular basis, I love to go through the news and just open up with some topics, hoping that one of these is just going to trigger a response in you. They're going to say, oh, my God, I didn't know that. Or, oh, my God, I want to talk to you like OMG. So, so there were a number of stories. And actually, you know, it's funny. When I start my show, I always want to have a topic and one of the topics um two of the actually the topics i was thinking about came up in news items which is like perfect so it's the best intro so um uh, this first one was i was i thought was really cute and it's a it's it's a a battle that many of us have had now i sort of sit on the middle of the fence i have my opinion and it, and this is because i have both dog and cats i have four dogs and six cats and the, the big question is who's smarter Dogs or cats? You guys want to weigh on this one? This would be a great topic of conversation. What do you think? Who's smarter? Dogs and cats. And I know your cat people out there are saying cats, dog people, but I'm a, I'm a both people. So I got, I have dogs and cats and I have my theories and my theory is on the surface and this is going to kind of blew my mind a little bit is that cats are smarter, but, but really what it boils down to is what, how do you define smart? I mean, that's like, that's like saying, what's a better tool to have, a hammer or a screwdriver? I mean, they're both necessary. And, and I think that when you think about the types of smart, what defines smart? If it's survival, oh, my God, cats, hands down. If it's the ability to train, then dogs. But here's the fact, dogs have twice the number of neurons as cats. So that's from a pure brain physiology standpoint. Dogs have twice the number of neurons as cats, but doesn't necessarily mean they're smarter because it depends on how you're going to define intelligence intelligence is a gradient and you have to look at specific details and to say you know look there are people out there that aren't that smart but man they have photographic memories they can mem- memorize numbers uh, that, you know so it's really hard to define but love you to weigh in on this one throughout the show do a tally just call in write in what do you think is it a dog is it a cat and uh, we can see what you think here's one that i was going to talk about anyway And we've spoken about it before, but uh, some of our listeners are uh, new. Hopefully we have new listeners all the time. And that is pet insurance. Should you or should you? What do you look for? And here's my spiel about pet insurance, just so you know. And I get to be on my soapbox every now and again. My tagline about pet insurance is simple. You're going to need it the most when you don't have it. So that, that's a fact. The fact is, I mean, I'm going in this Tuesday, hopefully for my surgery to repair my torn rotator cuff that I've had for a while, a little snowboard incident. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the snow beat me. It was really hard snow, obviously. It was early in the season, Park City, Utah, and my board decided to take a dead stop. And I kept going forward, landing right on my already, already it damaged shoulder that had a partial tear. And I wasn't happy with the partial tear. So we made it a full tear. But anyway, I'm going in Tuesday and I have insurance. And I'm very happy that I have insurance, medical insurance. So you should have some method to help you in the event of that emergency. And your choices, in my opinion, are really twofold. Well, maybe three. We'll get to the third one in a minute. First is get insurance. A number of things to look for. You can do accident only. You can do accident and illness. There are different types of policies, different types of payout schedules. You want to check premiums. Premiums are going to vary based on age, the type of policy you get, any pre-existing conditions. Some pre-existing conditions are going to be you know negated, you know, for life. Others after maybe two years. So you know whatever the case might be. Some you can even get routine care. And, you know, what I find is I'm not a big fan of the routine care because if you take good care of your pets, it may not be worth it because the premiums for the routine care as well are fairly pricey. But the goal really is to make sure you have some method. Now, also, some of the um, insurance companies from the veterinary perspective, have they decide on what a process or procedure should be, and that's all they give. And as many of you know, depending on what part of the country you live in, you know, you can have a spay that's $500. You can have a spay that's uh, that's $175. And so, you know, there's so many variables. So I'm not a big fan of that. I prefer the the policies that are going to charge you based on maybe where you live, what area, because they know the cost of medical insurance in big cities is going to be greater, and whether or not they're going to pay you as a percent of the entire bill. And of course, the bill is reviewed by their veterinary staff. Who's going to determine whether or not a certain test was necessary or not. And they, you know, they may, um, object to certain of the charges, but it's really a better way to go. And, uh, but it can be pretty pricey. Second option is if you are really well disciplined, what you can do is you can set up an account in Bowser's name, in your pet's name. And what you do is you take that same premium that you would be paying the insurance company and pay it to this interest bearing savings account. Lock, lot of clockwork, do auto. It's got to be, you have no choice. It's, it's an automatic debit every month into or every quarter, or however you normally pay your premiums into this account. And you only dig into this account really for that major accident or illness. And the difference, of course, is that insurance companies, I always, I always say insurance companies are like Las Vegas casinos. Yes, you might go to Vegas one weekend and have a winning weekend. But if you went regularly, trust me, trust me, I'll tell you now, the house is going to win. And they know it. And if you, you wouldn't see these lavish, beautiful casinos with all these employees and the lights and the electricity and, you know, the air conditioning and the free drinks if they were losing money. So they are winning and you are losing. So that's what insurance companies, insurance companies know how much the average person, this dog, the type of breed, the age, the pre-existing conditions is going to um, need. In the course of its life and they're making sure that the premiums they're going to collect are greater than that number of course because that's their profit and that's what they're banking on and they're also very difficult sometimes to deal with because they don't want to spend the money so if they have an out if they can see something oh my god you were in for a scratch i saw you it notes here in the in the record that your dog scratched two years ago and so that, now that's pre-existing so they're going to try to do everything they can not to pay premiums and of course when they have that big hit They advertise it. It's all over the news and, and you can go online and we just paid, you know, $40,000 on this dog with cancer. You know, yes, that could happen, but traditionally it's not. So when you have your own self insurance going on that if at the end of this term and heaven forbid Bowser had a good life and he finally got very old and it was time to say goodbye, if there's money left over in the account, which is what, of course, the, the uh, insurance companies are banking on, it's yours and not theirs so if you are really disciplined and you could do it it's an option and of course as i joke the, the third option is marry well or have a really really rich dad and then you don't have to worry about the money anyway so but anyway insurance is definitely something you want to there's a lot of good companies out there do your homework talk to your veterinarian if you want i will i'm happy to throw my two cents in you can always get a hold of me here at the uh, DR Jeff, Dr. Jeff at petliferadio.com. And um if you want to leave me your phone number, I will call you and we can talk pet insurance. Now, this is something I found interesting. Now, I I've known, obviously as a practicing doc, that dog's sense of smell is unbelievable. For example, we humans have about five million nasal receptors in our nose. That's a lot. That's that's good. We can smell a lot of good stuff. Dogs, you ready for this? 200 million, 40 times what we have. So that's why their sense of smell is unbelievable. Of course, hunters, it's necessary. If you ever see a dog, they, they pick stuff up. They can pick up scents. I'm telling you, I put my clothing, obviously, through washing I mean, and machine washing, and yet I can see a dog on the street, and he is sniffing my pants. He's sniffing my socks. It's unbelievable what they can pick up. Well, What I didn't realize is this, that dogs can actually breathe through one nostril at a time, separately. So they could be breathing with one nostril while they're sniffing in a scent using another nostril simultaneously. And also about 30% of their brain power is dedicated to their sense of smell, 30%. So, you know, it's amazing when you talk about the number of neurons they have and and 200 million uh, nasal receptors, that that is a crazy statistic. And um, so anyway, that I found fascinating. So if you ever see a dog who's sniffing and, and breathing at the same time, that's why, because they can do it. <laughs> it's because it's they can. And because of that sense of smell, the amazing sense of smell, they're used to detect, I mean, drugs, weapons, pregnancy, cancer. There are so many subtle changes in people that apparently we emit certain odors and dogs through, I mean, it's not easy. It's not like every dog just does it. They have to be trained a lot it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to train these dogs to be able to do it but they can pick up these different sense of smells and that's why they're used to find lost persons they're used to find you know criminals that could be hiding you know you give them an object a, a piece of clothing and they really get the smell and then through a lot of positive reward they go out and find it's really amazing how they work this is a, another one i saw which is kind of like you scratch your head how could this have even gone need to have gone to a state senate bill But the state of New York is now, (laughs) they're looking at a bill to prevent animal abusers to get jobs at shelters, rescue agencies, city pounds, et cetera. Well, first of all, (laughs) why would they even want to? Maybe unless they're really sick. But uh, anyway, if they have a record of animal abuse, now it's legally they can't be hired, which is interesting. Now, this one I like. We've talked about this many times. I would also, this is another topic that it would be a great one to hear your opinions. And it's all about ethics when it comes to what and how we treat pets. Moral dilemmas, ethical dilemmas. And I'm going to leave you with this as we go into our break to think about. But it has to do with, is there a time, is there a situation where it's not about the money? And um, and I use a line all the time. And we're going to share it with you. But anyway, don't go away. This is really, it's great that the Duke University Medical School is working with North Carolina State University Veterinary School to help determine certain rules and bases for making very challenging difficult decisions. So anyway, don't go away. We'll be right back after these hopefully very short messages. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Omega fish oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Omega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega fish oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Oh. And welcome back. We're here live with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And when we left before the break, we were talking about moral ethical dilemmas when it comes to treating our pets. Now, as we know, look, the cost of veterinary care is has gone up. It's uh, there, the drugs of everything has gone up. The cost of labor has gone up. The physical plants uh, have gone up. The Equipment that we use has gone up. I mean, everything. So yet we have not always been able to keep up the pace. And even though we have to have had to raise prices and, and as we know, you know, take your pet to an emergency, you can spend literally five, six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 in one night. So it, it gets up there. We know that another reason why to have some kind of pet insurance is a good idea. But what is interesting is what happens when you have, we have a pet. Now remember the whole premise of treating pets is a little bit different than treating humans. Why? Because as we know, our pets have more of a finite lifespan and it's much shorter. And though I've always been one to promote that age is not a disease, we don't say, oh my God, we're going to you know, put this dog to sleep because he's 11 and he's got something that he's got a surgery and we don't want to do the surgery and spend the money because he's 11. No, If, if it's something that's fixable, but I'm talking about what happens when we have a situation where the pet is terminal, the disease that he has is something, for example, a cancer. And we know that, let's take the perfect example of bone cancer. We know that once the diagnosis is made, it's already too late from the, the concept of curing the cancer because the spread of the cancer cell of osteosarcoma has already started once you see that dog limping, take the x-rays, do the biopsy. So now we know that now the, the dog, uh, his days are numbered, period. If you do nothing, a couple of months, maybe there are some salvage procedures you can amputate. We use chemotherapy, amputation alone, chemotherapy might give it a few extra months, more from the comfort perspective there's uh, what we call palliative radiation can be done there's all of them you can do you know radiation you can do the chemo you can do the amputation and you'll you'll get some more time but it's only temporary now let's say you have this old dog that you're thinking of amputating and you know that he's already very weak in his hind end okay so that means that when you take off that leg if it's on the hind end a hind limb, then he probably won't be able to get up anyway. Typically, this happens in large breeds. So now you have a dog that's, it's, you know, 80, it's, it's 100 pounds, should be 80 pounds, already is weak in the hind end. And so now the concept of, of removing the limb is, is almost out of the question to, because it's going to really affect the quality of life. Or you have a dog, you already see metastatic disease. You already have lesions in the lungs. So at what point should you be pressured into basically saying, you know what, why, why put this poor guy through all of this? And for for what? So I can have an extra couple of weeks, a month, and if so, at what expense? And forget the expense. That's what I say to to tell people. When I'm talking about certain conditions with patients, I'll say, let's take money out of the equation. Even if you had all the money in the world, I still wouldn't recommend proceeding. It's not fair. It's not fair for the pet. It's not fair emotionally for you. And it's not going to buy us enough time to justify the trauma. We're going to put the path through. I mean, think of just in general cancer. I, I brought cancer up as an example. You realize that the way we treat cancer in dogs is different in animals. It's different than in people. Why? Because people were hoping to live for 20, 30 years after the treatment, 10 years after the treatment, whatever it is. And therefore, we hit them really hard. So much so, so hard that they're often hospitalized. They lose their hair. It just literally knocks the crap out of them, okay? But the hope is if we can kill off the cancer cell or really stop it, put into a very long-term remission, it's worth it. Pets don't give us, we don't have 20 years. Sometimes by the time we get diagnosed cancer, we don't have four years or three years or two years. So who are we kidding? Why put this poor dog, this poor cat, this poor animal through stuff where their life is going to be hell for what? Because we're selfish and we want more time. So these are some of the the moral and ethical dilemmas that we have to deal with. And I think that this program, that's as I said, it's the Hemonc Department, at Duke University Medical Center, working along with North Carolina State University, fantastic vet schools, they rated right in the top five in the country, to form this committee on moral and ethical dilemmas to teach students, which they so badly need. You know, a student gets out of vet school and they have this—they're so hungry, they want to fix, they want to cure, treat, they want to cure everything, and you got to put a you know leash on them, pardon the expression. You got to you got to back them off a little bit and look at the big picture. And this is the one thing that I I see all the time. The difference between a GP, a general practitioner, and a specialist. Specialists have the blinders on. All they want to do is what they know to do, and they want to, they think they can fix it, they want to fix it, and they don't look at the big picture. They don't look at the family situation. They don't look at the financial situation. They don't look at the stress, the trauma to the pet, and it's a crime. So if you are ever faced with this decision, you want to think about everything. And it's tough, it really is. But I'll leave you with this when it comes to this particular subject. You can never make the mistake of saying goodbye a little too early, but you can make a terrible mistake of waiting too long. Think about it. So onward. So I love this idea. It's a committee. It'll be the first veterinary school to talk about this. And trust me, when I um, have worked with young veterinarians, I see it all the time. They want to treat, they want to treat, they want to treat. And I say, oh, wait a second. Let's think this out. Let's look at the big picture and really give the real, real information to the owners. When you say, you know, we can treat it. Yeah, of course you can treat it. And it's going to take a lot of money. And is it going to be worth it at the end of the day? How much is the pet going to benefit from it? So anyway, think about that. Here's another one. United Kingdom Veterinarians, the veterinarians in UK, are very worried about the growing anti-vaccine sentiment that here in the U.S. And I have to say, because I'm one of those doctors that, that I'm not against vaccines by any means. I am against vaccinating unnecessarily. I'm very much against vaccinating for diseases that a pet is not going to be able to get or will most likely never get. So if we don't have Lyme disease in southern california to the point of vaccinating every single pet now if i had a client who spends six months or four months a year back in in the northeast in connecticut in new england then yes i'm going to recommend a lyme disease vaccine so we look at what we call core vaccines and yes a hundred percent we should be vaccinating all our pets because these vaccines could be lifesavers but i am not a fan of over vaccinating. So if I have the ability to do a tighter test and measure existing antibody, and that antibody is adequate, then then we don't need to vaccinate. So it's got to be one or the other. You can't just say, well, it's been, you know, I don't think my pet needs a vaccine. You know, the issues stem from some of this anti-vaccine sentiment going on in people linking vaccine to autism. Scientifically, this has never been proven. Don't kid yourself. Look the research up yourselves. There has never shown any papers proving a link to disease like that and vaccine. So don't think that we're going to harm our pets. Now, does the incidence of vaccine reaction increase with the number of vaccines we give at a time? Yes, they do. That's why many of us like to spread vaccines out a little bit. But the vaccines can still be a lifesaver. When you have a dog that's going to die of distemper or parvo, and you find out it are never given its puppy series, of parvo vaccine, those are the kinds of things I mean. So we definitely want to vaccinate. We have to be, be very, very concerned when we find out that animals were not vaccinated. And, you know, if you need to err, air on the side of safety and give that vaccine. But don't over vaccinate and don't start. Don't let anybody talk to you. My cat, six of them, indoor cats. In California, we we're not required to give rabies. How is my indoor cats going to get rabies? How about leukemia, feline leukemia virus? How are they going to get leukemia virus? They're not exposed to any outdoor cats. So I don't vaccinate for them against rabies or leukemia. But if you have an outdoor cat, different story. So you have to look at lifestyle. You have to determine what is core in your area what diseases are prevalent in an area those are the things we should vaccinate against two more quick little stories again this is a a duh proper socialization and training can prevent dog bites and we need to teach kids you realize that um i think the specific is there are 4.5 a half million dog bites registered uh, that are reported every year half of them are in kids 12 and under so that kind of tells you a lot that these are the kids that are approaching dogs. I've always worried because my kids grew up with dogs. They were never afraid. They see a dog on the street. They want to run up and give it a hug, just like they do our dogs. So it's really about socializing dogs and also teaching kids how to approach, how to read dogs, how to read their ears. Look at their, look at the tail, look at the position of their tail. Um, You know, I often lecture. In fact, I'm doing it soon. Sometime in the summer, I'll be at Children's Hospital lecturing to the residents on dog bites and how to educate the young parents. That they are working with and the kids that they work with to avoid dog bites because it's a huge problem. And most of these bites can be prevented. So um, it, it's just all about education and socialization. Lastly, it's about pot. And in fact, what I think we'll do because we're running out of time here and it's a really important story to talk about. You know, it's one of those for or against. And I have, I'm a for, but it's with guidelines. And where are those guidelines? What are those guidelines? What do they mean? And we are seeing, I will leave you with this. That the number of emergency, pot-related emergencies, especially in states in states that where pot has been decriminalized, has increased by, you ready for this? Here's a number, by 448%. That's huge! So we really need education. We're going to talk about that next week. So have a great week, everybody. Hopefully, I have no idea what kind of shape I'm going to be in next week. I know I'm going to be in a sling, and I'm saying it's like a six-week recovery. Not very happy about that. I won't be able to do surgery for a while. But anyway, think about that. And if you have any questions about marijuana and pets, any you know empirical data, any self-experience that you can share with us, then please be prepared to give us a call next week. We're going to talk about pot and pets. Have a great week, everybody. Once again, thank you to Fume. Go online, pawfumepremium.com. And also, if you haven't already... Uh, go ahead and like me on Instagram. You're going to see great pictures. We try to put tons of pictures, and I got educational videos about um, some pets and great pet topics. So um, go on to at Dr. Jeff Werber. That's my Instagram handle. That's kind of nothing unique about that one. And um, we will see you all next week. Have a great day. Let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.